Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. When I was a kid, we often argued over who would control the television set. We kind of worked out an unwritten schedule of who would watch what on what night. Usually, in the picking order, I was at the bottom of the barrel. Of course, all calendared events were cancelled if my mother or father had a show that they wanted to watch. And that could be a show that was running for the first time or in reruns. One of the shows I remember my father taking over the television and, I guess, making us watch was the TV show Hawaii Five-O. My memories from that time about it are cloudy. I think I liked it, although I didn't really understand too much what was going on. Later, I would find out from my mother that it was actually her and my father's favorite show to watch together, although he was the one who would take control of the TV whenever it was on. My real exposure to Hawaii Five-O would come much later. I was probably still in elementary school, and I heard the theme song come on television and thought, well, why don't I sit down and watch this? I really don't remember what it's about. I just remember watching it when I was much younger. And the episode that came on was the pilot. I don't know if you've ever seen the pilot for Hawaii Five-O, but it has this international spy thing going on and elements of science fiction in it. There's this horrible sensory deprivation chamber and these people forced to wear these horrible rubber suits. It was a nightmare, and it was really compelling. I didn't want to watch it because it kind of freaked me out, but I couldn't look away. And from that moment on, I was hooked. There have been a lot of Hawaii Five-O episodes. I'm not sure I've made it through every episode yet, but even now I'm still working on it. So on today's show, we're going to talk about a show that I was exposed to as a young person, and one that I keep coming back to again and again: Hawaii Five-O. We'll talk about the people in front of and behind the camera. We'll talk about the production, the music, how well the show did, a little bit about the remake, the books, and where you could find Hawaii Five-O today. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. Hawaii Five-O is an American police drama produced by CBS Productions and Leonard Freeman. It was set in Hawaii. It starred Jack Lord, who for 12 seasons from 1968 to 1980 helped keep America's 50th state safe. Where does the name Hawaii Five-O come from? First of all, let's talk about the Five-O. What is the O? You could spell it Five-O like Five-Zero, and you would think that makes the most sense, because the Five-O is referring to Hawaii's status as the 50th state in the Union. When they released the soundtrack album to Hawaii Five-O, that O was actually 
the letter O instead of the numeral zero. So basically what has happened over time is since there's a new Hawaii 5 they've designated the old Hawaii 5 as Hawaii 5 letter O, and the new Hawaii 5 is Hawaii 5 number zero. It helps to designate the two since in theory they have exactly the same name. As I said, the 5 refers to the state of Hawaii being the 50th state. It is supposed to be the designation for a state police force that doesn't actually exist. Leonard Freeman, who created the show, had moved to Hawaii to recuperate from a heart attack, and some say that's where he got the idea, although there's sort of mixed stories about that. Some say he had the idea beforehand and wanted to do a show in California, but after talking with friends and maybe the governor of Hawaii, he settled on having a show set completely in Hawaii. Originally, it wasn't going to be called Hawaii Five O at all. Instead, the original title for the show was The Man, which I guess is referring to Steve McGarrett, who was the man. Freeman was born in 1920. He passed away in 1974. He's a writer, producer. His probably greatest creation was Hawaii Five O. He was also a writer for the TV series Route 66 another great 60s show, and in the late 60s, he would produce the Clint Eastwood western Hang 'em High. So they're going to film a TV show in Hawaii, but there really wasn't much of a film industry in Hawaii, so they had to kind of build one from scratch. And during the first season, the show was shot in a Quonset hut in Pearl City, which, because it was filled with rodents, was nicknamed Mongoose Manor by the cast and crew. The show would then move two more times during its 12 seasons, each time to an upgraded facility, and those upgraded facilities would get put into use when Magnum P.I. would come to Hawaii after Hawaii Five-0 had left the air. And if you look closely, you'll notice that even locations that are in Magnum P.I. also appear in Hawaii Five-0 quite often. Since there wasn't much of a movie industry in Hawaii, a lot of the crew and cast had to learn while they were doing things. And so it was a good thing that Jack Lord who was the lead character on the show and would eventually become the producer, was a perfectionist with what he did and drove people to get better and better at their jobs. It would be Lord who completely took over the show after Freeman died during the sixth season of the show, and he acted as a driving force keeping the show going for years after that. I guess the big criticism people have about Jack Lord being such a perfectionist is that he was also the center of attention of the show and very often the other characters are window dressing to his character. That's a criticism that gets brought up quite often, but if you watch the show enough, you'll see that a lot of the other characters do get their moments to shine, although the show is very McGarrett-centric. The show was almost always shot in Hawaii. Two episodes, though, were shot in Los Angeles, one in Singapore, and another in Hong Kong. At the end of Hawaii Five O, there was a message that said, filmed entirely on location in Hawaii, these are the only episodes who do not get that designation. Oddly enough, while this show was running, it brought a lot of attention to Hawaiian law enforcement, particularly on a statewide level. And yet, Hawaii is still the only state that does not have a state police agency. When you first watch Hawaii Five O, the first thing you're going to see is a great title sequence. This was created by television director Reza Espadiyi to suggest that the credit sequence is iconic. It's almost an understatement. When that music comes on and I'm watching the television, I can see every piece of the sequence unfold in my head before it does. And I think that even to the casual watcher, they'll remember key moments 
in the credit sequence. And for many of us, it came to represent what we felt Hawaii was going to be like if and when we got to visit there. Today's show is brought to you by your local moving company. Planning to move to Hawaii? You better hire a moving company. companies. The cast of Hawaii Five-0 was led by Jack Lord, who played Steve McGarrett. McGarrett was a naval intelligence officer before he became head of Hawaii Five-0, and in many episodes, he sort of called back to do those sort of things. And you'll see some parallels of that in the TV show Magnum P.I. Other people were offered the part before Jack Lord got it, including Richard Boone, Robert Brown, and Gregory Peck, who all turned it down. John Joseph Patrick Ryan was born in 1920. He passed away in 1998. Steve McGarrett and Hawaii Five-0 are probably his legacy, but he did appear in many feature films and had a very notable role as Felix Leiter in Dr. No, the first James Bond film. For some reason, it's just kind of cool, Lord insisted his character only drive Ford vehicles, and in the pilot, he drove a 1967 Mercury Park Lane. From 1968 to 1974, he drove a 1968 Park Lane, and then starting in 1974, he would drive a Mercury Marquis for the remainder of the series. That's the car that they show in the 2010 remake of the show. One of Lord's sort of catchphrases was, book em. He would say that at the end after they caught somebody. Sometimes he would say, book em, Dano. And he was referring to his second-in-command, Danny Williams. Why Danny Williams got the nickname Dano, I mean, it makes sort of sense. But you never call anybody Danny Dano. But Jack Lord did when he was younger. He had a friend whose nickname was Dano. And he just thought, well, seems kind of cool. And he started calling Danny Williams Dano. Dano himself was played by James MacArthur. Fixage is going to join us a little bit later with Why Should I Know This Person, where he will talk about James MacArthur. My favorite character as a kid was Kono, Detective Kono Kolakua played by Zulu. Zulu, before landing his role on Hawaii Five-0, was a local DJ and beach boy. He was perfect for the part of Kono and would play him for four years. He was born Gilbert Francis Lanai Damien Kauhi, but went by the stage name Zulu. Unfortunately, after four seasons, he was kicked off the show. He supposedly went on a tirade, offended a lot of people on the show, and was let go. It's a shame. I really liked his character. Cam Fong, played Detective Chin Ho Kelly from seasons 1 through 10. Cam Fong Chun was a veteran of the Honolulu Police Department, and he came in to audition for the villain role. Freeman liked him, but not for the villain role. Instead, cast him as Chin Ho Kelly. The name Chin Ho came from the owner of the Ilikai Hotel, which you see the penthouse of in the opening shots where it comes in on Steve McGarrett. Chun was born in 1918, passed away in 2010. The attorney general in the show, was played by Glenn Cannon. Cannon's probably best known for his work on Hawaii Five-0. He also made appearances on Magnum P.I. as Dr. Eibold. He was born in 1932. Sadly, he passed away in 2013. Al Harrington played Ben Koakua from seasons 5 through 7. Harrington is one of the few remaining Hawaii Five-0 actors still alive and has made appearances on the 2010 reboot, so still working. 
The governor, Paul Jameson, was played by Richard Denning from 1968 to 1980. Denning, who passed away in 1998, had roles in Unknown Island, Creature from the Black Lagoon, The Black Scorpion, and An Affair to Remember. The show had a ton of recurring characters and other replacement characters over the years. I'd like to talk about two villains in the show, because some of the villains are really great. First, I'd like to talk about Gavin McLeod's character Big Chicken. McLeod chews through scenery whenever he's playing Big Chicken, and I just love that his character's name is Big Chicken. The other villain that's probably the most important villain on the show was Wo Fat, who was this Chinese intelligence agent. He was played by Kai D. Kai D, who was playing an Asian actor, wasn't Asian at all. He was born Kenneth Dickerson, I think in New Jersey. I can assure you that if Wo Fat is going to be in an episode of Five O, it's going to be kind of fun. Now, with a little bit more, is Vic Sage with Why Should I Know This Person? Hi friends, Vic Sage here with Why Should I Know This Person? And this time I'm going to talk a bit about Hawaii Five-0 co-star James MacArthur. Born James Gordon MacArthur on December 8, 1937 in Washington, D.C., MacArthur's father was the playwright Charles MacArthur, but his mother is unknown. James was adopted by Helen Hayes, considered to be the first lady of the American theater, who was married to Charles MacArthur. James was raised in New York with MacArthur's biological daughter, Mary, and thanks to his parents, he was surrounded by literary and theatrical talent as he was growing up. Lillian Gish was, in fact, his godmother, and around the house he rubbed elbows with the likes of Harpo Marx, John Barrymore, and John Steinbeck. MacArthur got his start in acting, appearing on stage, which would lead to Broadway. But while he was in college at Harvard, where he was studying history, he decided to make acting his full-time career. At the age of 18, he landed the role of Hal Dittmar in a TV episode of Climax entitled Deal a Blow, a role that he would reprise when John Frankenheimer would adapt the episode into the feature-length motion picture The Young Stranger in 1957. James would be nominated for Most Promising Newcomer at that 1958 BAFTA Awards for his role in that film. He next appeared in a slew of Walt Disney films such as The Light in the Forest, Third Man on the Mountain, Kidnapped, and Swiss Family Robinson before moving on to older character roles in films like Spencer's Mountain, where he co-starred with Peter Fonda, Maureen O'Hara, Wally Cox, and Lily Bronson. MacArthur would continue to work in various TV and film roles such as The Alfred Hitchcock Hour, The Virginian, Battle of the Bulge, Branded, Gunsmoke, and Bonanza before he was cast in a small part in the 1968 Clint Eastwood western Hang 'em High as the Preacher. On that film, he impressed co-writer and producer Leonard Freeman, which led him to be cast in Freeman's pilot for Hawaii Five-O that same year. As Dan Williams, a character he would betray for 259 episodes from 1968 to 1979. James would revisit his character in the 1997 Hawaii 5.0 TV movie, where we would learn that Dan has become the governor of Hawaii. Other notable appearances in TV include multiple episodes of Fantasy Island and The Love Boat and Murder, She Wrote. This has been Vic Sage with Why Should I Know This Person? Signing off until next time. Thanks, Vic. In season two of the TV show, in episode 16, the episode titled Bored, She Hung Herself, there is an investigation into the suicide of a woman who died by hanging, which happened while she was 
practicing a health regimen. Now, supposedly a viewer died while trying to do the same technique, and because of this, that episode has never been rebroadcast and has never been included in any syndication packages or DVD releases of the show. So if you want to catch it, you're going to have to find a gray market source or wait until somebody uploads it online. It is usually quickly taken down. I have seen the episode. It's not one of the greatest Hawaii Five-0 episodes, but it is interesting because of the controversy. Sadly, any version you're going to see is going to be of low quality because it hasn't been on the market in so long. Hawaii Five-0, during its original run, jumped around quite often. When it started out, it was on Thursdays from 8 to 9. Then, from 68 to 71, it would move to Wednesdays from 10 to 11. Then, from 71 to 74, it was on Tuesdays from 8.30 to 9.30 p.m., which sounds crazy to start an hour-long show in the 8.30 time slot, but must have worked because it did really well during that time slot. From... 1974 to 1975, it stayed on Tuesday, but went from 9 to 10. Then, in late 1975, it moved to Fridays, where it was broadcast between 9 and 10. Then in 75 to 79, to Thursdays, still from 9 to 10. Then back to Tuesdays, from 79 to 80, still 9 to 10. And then finally, in its last year, 1980, during its last two months, it was on Saturdays, between 9 and 10. When the show started, it wasn't a huge hit, but it had a lot of potential. During its second season, it was number 19, but then would rise in the ratings, staying in the top 10, peaking at number 3 in 1972. Then, only during three other seasons, would it drift above its top 30. When it did end, it wasn't in the top 30, but it still had a loyal following. It was the longest-running crime show on American television until Law & Order passed it up in 2003. Still can't believe that they canceled Law & Order. Its popularity is probably why we have so many police dramas nowadays. It makes me wonder if the new Hawaii Five-0 is going to take a shot at trying to beat Law & Order. they got a long road ahead of them. Five, four, three, two, one... Greetings, retro fans. This is Metagirl, bringing you the top five episodes of the original police procedural drama, Hawaii Five-O. At number five is season three, episode 11, Over 50, Steel. Lewis Avery Filer was an insurance investigator, forced to retire when his firm was taken over by a multinational corporation. With no other career at hand, Filer takes to a life of crime and revenge, pulling off daring robberies at businesses either owned or insured by the conglomerate. Filer gains notoriety as the press reports how he's outwitted the police. Will McGarrett bring this thief to justice? Number four is Season 6, Episode 4, One Big Happy Family. A murderous family makes their way to Hawaii after leaving behind a criminal rampage on the mainland. The fiendish family mystifies McGarrett and the 5-0 team when a thorough investigation can find no significant motivation for the series of killings, making them seem utterly random and sadistic. Number 3 is Season 2, Episode 20, Cry, Lie. Chin Ho Kelly, one of 5-0's trusted investigators, is wrongly accused of taking a bribe from a narcotics dealer. The frame-up was orchestrated by a con man, played by Martin Sheen, out to ruin the state police unit. But McGarrett turns the tables on the fraudster in the end. At number two is Season 3, Episode 6, The Ransom. Five O's efforts to rescue a wealthy boy from his captors backfire when McGarrett's own man, Kono, also becomes a prisoner of the criminals. 
Kono aids in the boy's escape, but is himself unable to break free and is instead beaten mercilessly. McGarrett must find a way to rescue Kono from these ransom-hungry thugs without further endangering his life. And the number one episode of Hawaii Five-O is season seven, episode three, "I'll Kill 'Em Again." A deranged bookstore clerk turns an obsession with McGarrett into a killing spree as he recreates murders featured in a series of Honolulu magazine articles that extolled the crime-solving prowess of the Five-O unit. The twisted killer taunts McGarrett with calls and postcards. Will McGarrett solve the new string of crimes before more people die? And there you have it: the retroist top five episodes of the original television series Hawaii Five-O. Until next time, list fans. This has been Metagirl. Does this sound familiar? That is the theme to Hawaii Five O. Now, with a little bit more about the theme to Hawaii Five O, is the Zerbinator with a brand new segment called Sounds Retro. Hawaii Five O has been one of the most recognizable theme songs to date. It was written by Morton Stevens and performed by the CBS Orchestra in 1968. The song has been awarded two Emmys in 1970 and 1974. In 1970, Stevens won the Emmy for Outstanding Achievement in Music Composition for a series or a single program of a series within the first year only. The theme song beat out two songs from NBC. Quincy Jones being nominated for his theme to the Bill Cosby Show, which ran from 1969 to 1971, and Mr. Frank Marks, who composed the music for Disney's Charlie and the Lonesome Cougar. In 1974, Stevens won again for Best Music Composition for a series, a single program of a series, with the music for the first episode of season six, titled Hookman. But this time, Stevens was up against other composers for the same show. His competition was Bruce Broughton for season six, episode 14, The One Hundred Thousand Dollar Nickel, and Don B. Ray for season six, episode 21, Nightmare in Blue. Composer Morton Stevens wrote music for other television shows like Police Woman, Gunsmoke, The Wild Wild West. He also arranged music for the Boston Pops Orchestra, and was the musical director for concert tours of Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, and Liza Minnelli. The theme to Hawaii Five-O was later recorded in 1968 by a band called The Ventures, an instrumental band that was formed in 1958 in Tacoma, Washington. That version of the song reached number four in Billboard's top ten on the week of May tenth, nineteen sixty-nine. The band's members, Don Wilson, Mel Taylor, Noki Edwards, and Bob Bogle, were all inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in two thousand eight. Not many were aware that the theme to Hawaii Five-O actually had quite a few set of lyrics. Sammy Davis Jr. had recorded lyrics to the original score written by Morton Stevens, while Hawaiian singer Don Ho recorded his own ballad version of the song with lyrics. In 2010, they were ready to do a reboot for this song to match the new show. There had been talks of having a fancy guitarist come in and reimagine how the familiar guitar runs would work, but co-executive producer Alex Kurtzman had made the decision to maintain the original format of the song by having two of the original horn players and the original percussionist from 1968 sit in with 35 other musicians for the final recording. 
Many bands have covered this theme song, including the Who Dads, Randy Crenshaw, Jamaican musician Dwight Pinky, and one of my favorites would have to be Brian Setzer and his orchestra. This has been Zerbinator with this edition of Sounds Retro. Thanks, Urbanator. I would be remiss if I did not bring up Magnum P.I. again, one of my favorite television shows. The Hawaii Five O and Magnum P.I. universe are supposedly the same universe, and the Magnum producers tried to get Jack Lord out of retirement to make a cameo on Magnum P.I., and in the first few episodes of Magnum P.I., there are direct references to Five O. Would have been a great crossover. And I've always kind of wished that the new Hawaii Five-0 would try to get Tom Selleck to make an appearance on their show as Magnum. There is a modern reboot of Hawaii Five-0 currently running. It was not the first time that they attempted to do that in 1997. CBS ordered a pilot, but it wasn't picked up. James MacArthur reprised his role as Danny Williams, who is now at that point the governor of Hawaii. I've seen the pilot. It would have been interesting to see where they went with it. In 2010, CBS announced that a new Hawaii Five-0 would be coming on. It is set in present-day Hawaii and is called Hawaii Five-0, but the O being the zero, like I mentioned. It is still running today. A lot of the same characters from the original show and guest appearances by people from the original show. Much like the original Hawaii Five-0, it's kind of a fun show to watch. If you haven't checked it out, you should. If you want to buy Hawaii Five-0 on DVD, you can but the show is also available for streaming on Netflix. You can watch almost every episode except the Season 2 episode for which she hung herself. There were six novelizations of Hawaii Five-0. Each one's plot was not based on a television episode. The first two were published by Signet in 1968 and 1969. Then two juvenile hardcovers were published by Whitman in 69 and 71. And then later on, two other books that I haven't been able to track down were published in England. Hawaii Five-0 is a great premise for a show, and I like that it's not based on a real law enforcement organization, because already you're plunging the show into a fantasy realm, where you can kind of play fast and loose with the rules, as opposed to what a real police agency might have to do. So even though it is procedural in a way, there's still some chance for oddball drama in the original Hawaii Five-0. That meant elements of spies and science fiction, weird characters, and often crazy plot twists. These are the reasons that time and again I keep coming back to the show. If you haven't added it to your regular TV watching, I suggest you do. You will not be disappointed. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks to Vic Sage for another great Why Should I Know This Person. If you have feedback for Vic, you can email him at vicsage at retroist.com. Thanks to Metagirl for another great top five list. If you have suggestions for Metagirl, you can email her at metagirl at retroist.com. Thanks to the Zerbinator for Sounds Retro. You might have heard the Zerbinator on past Retroist podcasts. If you'd like to hear more from him, I would suggest you stop by his website, Zerbinatorland, at zerbinator.wordpress.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend.
Book of Retro, Murder One. Yeah. This has been a Retro production. Goodbye.